Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Market View. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia Pacific shares are losing ground this morning following a heavy bout of selling on Wall Street overnight. Tokyo down more than 2%. Seoul and Sydney are not far behind. The bears are out in force, but not every story this morning is a downer. In fact, I got quite hungry preparing today's Market View for you. You chicken fans, stay tuned. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How are you doing, Ryan Huang? Happy Thursday, Michelle. And to you, it was a really ugly session on Wall Street overnight as Dow Jones Industrial Average sank more than 1,100 points and the S&P 500 had its biggest drop in nearly two years. Big misses on the earnings front by Target and other major retailers are stoking investor concerns really about the impact of inflation on corporate profits and the economy. I'm going to get to all that soon enough. But first, I thought that I'd start the morning with two contrarian stories two upbeat ones, Mm. really. Although I warn you, they will make you hungry. All right. The first story is about a food item whose price is falling, not rising quite significantly. And the second is about a locally listed confectionery company whose profits are on the rise. So Ryan, let me ask you, if you had to choose between a plate of chicken wings and a box of chocolate snacks, I think I know the answer. (laughs) Which is it? Can I combine both somehow? (laughs) Chocolate chicken wings, maybe they could mix up. But yeah, it's a piece of good news, I guess, for Wingstop because Mm -hmm. they are seeing what they are billing as meaningful deflation. So everyone's been talking about rising prices of their raw ingredients and everything else. But here you've got a bit of a contrarian narrative with uh, chicken wing prices coming down for them. And this is with its CEO, Michael Skipworth, uh, in an interview talking about how the price of wings last year hit $3.22 a pound is now $1.63 a pound. So almost half. And that's helping them to preserve their margins or even improve them in some sense. And this is also worth noting how they see a high demand for chicken breasts helping to bring down the cost of wings because everyone's been trying to meet the demand for the very popular chicken breast parts. And when you grow all these extra birds, you have extra wings. So that's also helping them with the supply situation. All right, so chicken wing prices down by more than half. I really hope the lower prices for the company translates into lower menu prices. By the way, Wingstop opened its doors nearly 30 years ago in Texas, but it does have more than 1,500 locations, including here in Singapore. Our next contrarian story this morning is about Delphi. The locally listed chocolate confectionery company is posting a 14% rise in profits for the first quarter of this year. So what's driving Delphi's earnings? As a mix of having the right plan and having the right market. So you've got the earnings being driven by higher sales and also continued tight control of their operating costs. So we are looking at revenue up 11.4% to $133 million. And if you look at the earnings before interest taxes and depreciation and amortization, that came in for the first quarter up 13.9% at $20.5 million. And this is partly driven by strong showing in the Indonesian segment, which was up 9.5%. So regional markets doing well for Delphi. All right. 
Delphi shares have rallied a bit over the past week, but they are still down more than 10% over the past year. Wingstop shares, despite those lower chicken wing prices, are doing even worse, down nearly 60% since January. What do you make of these two stories? And do you think there could be good value to be had in restaurants and in food stocks like these? I think there is value if you know where to look. And it really um, is being shown in how these two companies have been able to ride out the higher costs with a good plan. You know? Being able to protect their margins by getting the right suppliers and at a lower cost in some cases. And if you look at the markets, some markets are doing well. And that could also help to offset some of the other pressures on the business. So it's a mix of finding the companies with the right fundamentals, the right mode, and being able to just ride out the inflationary pressures we've been seeing just hitting Everyone else talking about labor costs, supply chain problems. So you have all those pressures on many FMB companies. I guess the trick here is to find out which ones are able to be more resilient in this backdrop. Let's turn to the US markets now. The big box store Target netted one billion US dollars in the first quarter of this year, but that was roughly half of what it earned a year earlier. So what accounts for the declines that Target's seeing? Yeah, it's quite a huge drop and we saw a stock price drop big time, down nearly 25%. And this is all around what I've been talking about, rising inflation, just taking out a chunk of the consumer sentiment, or consumer spending and eating into the profits. Uh, you're also seeing a surge in costs, which um, they are flagging is not showing any sign of easing up. So that could continue down the road as well. So this is with the metrics operating profit. They are expecting it to amount to only 6% of sales this year. That's two percentage points below the previous forecast. So it's just painting its outlook a bit more gloomier with what's been happening with the supply chains, the drop in consumer spending. And this is just pointing to how maybe consumer spending, that strength is not as strong as what they were initially expecting. And this seemed to disappoint markets big time. Consumers growing weary of rising prices. Shares of Target plunged on the news, dropping 25%. Now, Target's disappointing profit numbers come one day after Walmart reported a similar miss. Its shares are down 17% over the past two trading sessions. At the same time, though, we are seeing stores like Home Depot and Lowe's report better numbers. So what are these recent results telling us about the state of US consumers? Yeah, you've got a bunch of retailers talking about lower numbers. There are some pockets of strength. So all in, I would say it's quite a mixed bag, a mixed commentary coming through from retailers. Mm -hmm. And I think the takeaway here is you do have a segment of population in America at least just experiencing a bit of a tougher time right now as they try to adjust to the pressures around rising costs, around new jobs and all the problems they have. So you have a segment of them just experiencing a tougher time economically. But at the same time, you have a part of the population just being able to ride it out. So you have the likes of Walmart, Target, seeing a drop in consumer spending. And this is just suggesting how some of these customers are more price sensitive. And Walmart says many of them are starting to trade down to house labels or private label brands. You are also looking at Home Depot pointing to how there is resiliency among its customer base and they are talking about how a sizable percentage of them are professional home builders and contractors. So that seems to be holding strong for them. But more by and large, you are looking at pressures across the board being felt by many of these retailers. So this is going to be something that will be 
need to be closely watched because there are a couple of factors to keep track of. One is the stimulus checks that have come through in the past year. The money was there and is starting to dry up. So the question is, what happens when it dries up? Will that trend or trajectory continue at all? How much will it drop off by? And you also have customers trying to figure out what to spend on. As they go back to work, they will have to buy different things like new clothes for office wear or even luggage for travel. So that is starting to see spending habits change. And when you buy some stuff, you have to buy less of other stuff. So that trade-off or that mix in purchasing patterns is also going to be something to keep track of. Yeah, I'll pick up on that point of changing consumer patterns. Target notes that consumers are reverting more and more to pre-pandemic spending habits and they're buying more toys and travel-related items and fewer televisions and home appliances. Let's bring the discussion home now. Singapore Airlines reporting its latest numbers. More people are travelling, that's for sure. But is SIA back in the black yet, Ryan? No. The short answer is no. But the good news is that the losses are narrowing. So let me walk you through the numbers. You've got SIA posting a narrower annual loss of $962 million. And this is with the backdrop of what we've been seeing. Borders easing up, more people travelling. In fact, I'm going SIA in a few months' time, so oh. I'll be adding to the numbers. <laughs> uh, but not so good news is it is the third straight year of losses for SIA as it tries to recover from pandemic years. So this is encouraging if you look at the passenger traffic in the past financial year. So 3.9 million passengers. That's up six-fold from a year before. So you do have a bit of momentum happening, helping SIA recover somewhat. So narrow losses. And I believe in time to come, we will see SIA turn around. All right. Passenger traffic at Changi Airport is now back to about 40% of pre-pandemic levels. The government has set a target for it to reach 50% by the end of the year. Now, Ryan, this resurgence in travel is leading Changi Airport to put out the hiring mat. The group is recruiting. Just how many people does it need? Okay, we are looking at 6,600 job vacancies. So it's interesting to see this play out because of the backdrop of what's been happening in the past few years. You've got many people in the industry actually moving on to other sectors. So it's a question of where they'll be able to find all these new employees. Where will they be able to get the numbers they need to fill up all these positions? And we are talking about frontline passenger service positions, also newly created roles like innovation and technology roles, also behind-the-scene workers like ground handlers will be high in demand. Also, they are looking at quality assurance teams to help check for food safety, many other things like cybersecurity officers. So it's across the board just reflecting how they are projecting growth to return. But big question mark because everyone's trying to look for talent and also skills and all the um, workers that are in shortage right now across many industries. So we'll see if they can manage to get those 600 or rather 6,600 job vacancies filled up. This is one of Changi Airport Group's biggest ever recruiting drives. It will hold a career fair over at Suntech next Friday and Saturday in case you're interested in joining Changi Airport Group. One more travel-related story before I turn the page. You might recall that Resort World's Dream Cruises were based in Hong Kong. Kong, 
went into liquidation earlier this year. The former head of that venture, the billionaire Lim Kok Tay, is not giving up on the cruise business, though. In fact, he's ready to launch a new line right here in Singapore. Tell us more. Yeah, Genting Hong Kong was pretty much written off by Malaysian billionaire Lim Kok Tay. So he stepped down as CEO and then started his own cruise line. So almost partitioning away from the previous company. And like you pointed out, it's called Resorts World Cruises. And they'll be kicking off operations with one ship, Genting Dream. And they will be operating a cruise to nowhere around Singapore in June. So something that will see many familiar faces. Michael Goh, the previous president of the other company, is the firm's new president. So looking at the reports, almost 70% of the employees employees from the previous company have joined this new company. So it looks like we are in for more cruise options. All right. Okay, it's time for the Tesla and the Elon Musk report. Not a day goes by that that man is not making headlines for one reason or another that I have to talk about. Today, the news is not so good for Musk. Tesla has lost its spot on the S&P 500 ESG index. Why is that? The company makes electric cars and solar panels. So wouldn't that count in its favor when measuring its environmental, social and governance scores? It seems that its automated driving system is coming under increased focus, yeah? Yeah, so the index provider has dropped Tesla from the ESG version of the S&P 500 index and it's all around many issues. Mm. So they are flagging things like claims of racial discrimination and crashes linked to the autopilot vehicles. So that brings down what they believe is the ESG standards of Tesla. So that sees Tesla being dropped, also being dropped the likes of Delta Airlines and Chevron, and coming in, Twitter and oil refiner Philips 66. So this is a bit of a makeover or a bit of a shuffle for the ESG version of the S&P 500 index. So this is, of course provoking quite a bit of a response from Elon Musk. Yeah, of course, uh, he's recently criticized ESG metrics, saying it's fundamentally flawed. In an April tweet, he said corporate ESG is a devil incarnate. But the S&P ESG, the ESG version essentially of the S&P 500 index, dropping Tesla after investigations into death and injuries linked to its driver assistance systems and concerns over its working conditions. So Elon never takes criticism lightly, right? What do you think? Yeah, so... Many harsh tweets coming out from Elon Musk in the wake of this episode and he has called ESG a scam. I guess you have a few valid points worth debating about. He, of course, runs Tesla and for quite some time it's been seen as the pioneer of EVs and of course EVs are the next big thing to help bring down the usage of fossil fuels and everyone's been trying to jump on this bandwagon, right? And this is or has seen Tesla rise up to become the most valuable car company and this is really something of a question mark when you have Tesla being dropped from the ESG index when Tesla's products are supposed to help cut the carbon emissions around the world. So the question here is how do you measure ESG properly and I think this is where Elon Musk is trying to raise questions around the metrics because if you ask different people, they have different ways of measuring ESG. So that's uh, where we are at right now. Yes, um, Elon Musk trying to raise question marks over the protocol and the way S&P 500 runs the indexes by calling to question why Tesla was dropped. Yeah. 
definitely a maze of matrixes, shall we say, when it comes to measuring ESG impact. Tesla's shares dropped nearly 7% overnight, costing Musk 12 billion US dollars. Tesla trading at its lowest level of the year. I'm going to turn to Singapore now because we are 21 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index finished in the green for the third straight session, rising three quarters of a percent to 32.25. Yang Zijiang shipbuilding leading the way higher. How's the STI trading this morning, Ryan? Uh, Michelle, it's a bit of a turn around Thursday. So that three-day winning streak is under threat right now with the STI down 1.2% to 3,000. 185 points right now. So pretty much in line the region which is seeing quite sharp losses tracking the sell-off overnight on Wall Street. And you've got the likes of Comfort Delgro down 2.7% followed by SIA followed by Genting Singapore, Singtel, all of them down more than 2%. And among the top five, wrapping it up, Wilmer International, lower by 1.9%. And looking at the bottom of the table, only one counter or only one counter in the green at the top of the table. Taibev is up by 0.7% at 70 cents. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app, that's A-W-E-D-I-O, available on Google Play or the App Store.